I'm Ben Clunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. We're two entrepreneurial professionals based in Spokane, Washington. Join us on our journey to make 2019 the most prosperous of our lives. We'll bear all as we strive to improve all aspects of our business and our health and fitness, as well as our relationships personally and professionally. We aim to offer impactful insight into our business and personal lives. We'll share the good, the bad, and the ugly throughout our journey. With the ultimate goal of our business and fitness being in the best shape of our lives at the close of 2019. You are listening to the Ordinary to Extraordinary Podcast. Uh, today on Ordinary to Extraordinary, we are going to be interviewing my colleague, friend, and uh, I guess the CEO of the company I work with, Tim Mitrovich. So thank you for coming on today, Tim, and letting us grill you with a few questions. Happy to be here. Yeah, so basically the format that we're going to take, I don't know if you, you said you haven't listened to last week's um, interview that we did, so um, we we both interviewed each other, and now the thought is let's get someone that's known us for a long time and sort of mm. give some historical perspective on what they've seen from growth and what they think strengths and weaknesses are and things like that. But we want to learn about you as well. So that's where we'll start, and then we'll get to talking about Ben somewhere down the line. Sure. Um, so we always ask kind of three icebreaker questions. I don't know if you haven't gotten to some of the interviews yet. You might not know what all of these icebreaker questions are. First one is basically uh, what's one goal that you'd like to accomplish during your lifetime that you haven't yet? I'm, ri- I'm writing down my Ben notes already. Oh, jeez, <laughs> your Ben notes. You're going to need a bigger sticky pad. Those little post-its aren't going to cut it, buddy. No, I have some that jumps to mind right away. Number one goal in what time frame? Uh, during your lifetime. What is something that you, like, a, what's Before a bucket list item? It. I've always wanted to do something very direct, whether here or abroad, where uh, rather than just, like, general charity involvement, we had an orphanage that we helped fund locally, mm-hmm. or we went and found, like, a little village, you know, in Africa and did that. I th- just I thought something where... Both financially as well as time, this has kind of been almost a quasi-retirement type, how would you spend your time? It would be just something very direct, very hands-on in something where you try to go in and make a real meaningful one-to-one impact. So I'd yeah. say that's a goal. That's cool. But not necessarily any particular idea of what that would be yet, huh? Those are the two. That's as narrow that's as it. it's gotten. That's as narrow as it's gotten. <laughs> yeah. It's an overarching big goal right now. So there you go. There's a new project for everybody to work on at Ten Capital. Huh? We've t- actually it was interesting. We talked about groups pretty charitable, and everybody's donated quite a bit of time and money. Um, I've always been really proud of. I've said in both those regards, I think we've punched above our weight class from the get go, and, and done more than maybe would have been expected, if you will. But we had talked about, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you went in? Um, and found again a group and really dedicated time to that group tried to make a very pointed difference mm-hmm. and change a dozen lives and then watch that ripple effect yeah. uh, I think would be really neat I don't have a lot of meaningful you know personal goals just to, mm-hmm. you know, at this point just be a good dad be a good husband it's interesting yeah. talking about philanthropy and Ben and I have had this conversation I think philanthropy is lost on a lot of people I think some people think because they give a little bit of money here and there that, or they get their name on a plaque and I'm like you know what the most important thing is time and what you're talking about would take time and money right to create something like that my accountant's always been pretty ticked uh, at me I, I mean that 
facetiously in the sense of like a lot of what my wife and I would do, uh, you couldn't write off mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because off we liked, you know, we would have friends, family, friends of friends where you just hear about a need and you'd be like, what a cool gift that we've had here for at least a few years where you could intervene in a meaningful way off the record and totally fine with t- tax yeah. deductions, but uh, I'd rather Move the hear about someone, hey, they lost their home to a fire and they don't have anywhere to really go or yeah. do it. Like, mm-hmm. well, we can help provide shelter for a while. So yeah. I love that. So second one, get ready for it. Mm. If they made a movie of your life and you like movies, <laughs> what would it be about <laughs> and which actor would you want to play you? Well, I... Which one would I movie want? The one voice. I've got, I don't get it anymore because he's on TV. I used to get uh, Dean Cain that I... Uh, I can see that, yeah. Dean Cain and I looked alike. So the I, real Superman. You know, he's the getting, real he's, Superman. He's, oh. uh, he's getting, getting... Everybody kind of looks the same in that 25 to 45-year-old demographic. I think he's a little older than I am, but... Did you like Ripley's Believe It or Not as well? He, was, he hosted that, right? I haven't on seen... TV? I do remember Dude, seeing really? who it was. Oh, yeah. gosh, that yeah. show. Yeah. So I don't know if I'd want him to be the guy or not. I probably would want Zac Efron's six-pack to represent me. <laughs> you go around picking anybody. But um, what would it be about? Our volume levels just spike through the roof. There. I see on the... Boom. So some red right? I mean, okay. if you're going to pick, you always upgrade, right? Yeah, no, there's no disrespect to Dean Cain. He's a fit fella back in the day. Um, what would it be about? I, you know, look, I mean, I haven't done anything that interesting, but... It's the same type of thing I guess I try to do on my podcast, which is I think one of the things that leads to, at the end of the day, most of us know we're never going to get to dunk on LeBron James. We're not going to be in the White House. We're not going to end up on this mountain or that mountain. But we want to matter in our own way. And I think the thing that gets lost sometimes when you look at successful people, and I think one of the cool things I see be a podcast or the social media that's coming to light is it's a pretty messy thing to get to that point in some ways of course you matter all the time to those who love you but to get to the point where you're doing some of those things maybe later in life and people see um whatever however you define success mm-hmm. maybe you uh you you were a tremendous social worker who made a difference in that or philanthropist or whatever the case may be and they don't understand all the moments of doubt along the way and and i think that's probably when i have shared aspects of my story people look at the book the cover of the book and like looks like another you know white dude from washington that ended up doing okay and there's been a lot of hiccups along the line that people probably wouldn't expect not to say I, I grew up in some horrific existence because I didn't I grew up in a loving family but um, I, I hardly came from privilege so yeah. it'd so, be it'd be a very boring long tale about that impact, <laughs> impact and legacy is what I got from that just you know leave a lasting legacy and have an impact somewhere yeah, on real. someone yeah, it's just yeah absolutely okay last icebreaker question what was your dream job when you were a kid what how old <laughs> A kid. Just when you were a wee boy. <laughs> well, just, a, just born. Newborn infant. Ben Clint's under six probably months old. the only person that I know oh God. personally who didn't want to be a professional athlete when they yeah. were like elementary <laughs> yeah. school. Tell me about it. Right? Um, You're welcome, listeners. I'm not sure why. I think at one point there was political ambitions as I got to be an older kid. But yeah, when I was younger, I would have been quarterback of some have football Have the political team. ambitions actually fallen off? Because I've heard you talk about that even in the last few years. I think you can't help but look at the current state of things and 
feel some responsibility in whatever way to contribute to a more healthy dialogue. So are you coming out as running for no. political <laughs> on our podcast right now? To but then you get older, you know, I think what happens is you get, you know, when you watch out, Stuckert. You talk about goals. You know, my goals were a lot about, you know, they didn't involve in a, in a, ta- in a real way because these people didn't exist. My wife and kids. And now you just look at the cost to your family to do a lot of these things. And um, I don't even have some sorted background, but it's still just a nasty thing to do and time consuming and I love getting to go home and see my kids. So I don't know if mm-hmm. that's, uh, yeah, no, I, I like life right now. <laughs> I like life right now. That's <laughs> good. good. Contentness. Yeah. yeah, you you said some things there that resonate with me. It's uh, somehow we've created all these false dichotomies in politics where it's either or. And it's like, what about all the gray area in the middle? Like, mm-hmm. you, you can't just say it's, it's not always binary. Mm-hmm. There can be valid points on both sides and valid arguments on both sides. And Sometimes you got to take everything off the table and then start putting things on incrementally to see what works for the long term. And we're not there, you know. You're well, and then you got to own what doesn't work. And I don't think those guys want to own what doesn't yeah. work. You're well, either I, I evil- loved it this week where apparently Warren Buffett and AOC came out and said that every CEO that took TARP money should be bankrupted. They should have all their money taken away from them. Oh, good Lord. And, of course, Buffett can say, I guess, whatever he wants, although that some of that guy's Machiavellian dealings, uh, I can't wait for see if somebody actually writes a book get all in the up and up but i mean you talk about a ruthless competitor i mean those people who have mm-hmm. been within earshot of deals he's been part of would be like again within the bounce within the rules of the game nobody's ever said he's an immoral person but like he'll cut your throat for a deal and with respect to aoc and the politicians you're like well then why do we pay i mean if the whole idea is if you run something into the ground you shouldn't get paid fair enough yeah, but then doesn't that mean every dollar that every politician's been paid since they started running deficits for our country mm-hmm. should be disgorged for about the last ding, four ding. years? You know, anyway, it's kind of unbelievable that you can. I've never known of a government entity not to go over budget. And both parties do it. Yeah. that's not a political comment. No. It's like all you guys, like you know, let alone all your special health care and and mm-hmm. uh, pensions and everything else. Yeah, and exemptions. The only time they ever there's ever bipartisan support is when they're giving each other each other a raise. So <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, funny how that, that works. Right? Well, wasn't that even with the trade, like with how they could trade ahead of legislation that came public and then they're like, oh, we don't do that anymore. Yeah, and then they retroactively were different for Congress until the gentleman in Montana got busted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's like so they could do insider trading, but Martha Stewart gets on the house arrest. I think that's the, the reason I don't get. I mean, I certainly have my own political sympathies, um, despite having pretty equal disgust for both parties. But, you know, I, I think there is, um, of all things, this is going to coming way literally pun intended from left field with this one do you guys remember the jimmy fallon drew barrymore movie fever pitch from yep. like 15 years ago it was a soccer movie originally by the way oh really yeah and then the red sox won the world series and had to change it up it used to be about arsenal so they're club. like so worked up about the red sox or whatever i think i've got my stuff right here and then they see the yankees and the red sox having dinner together at the bar and afterwards they're like wait a minute we're here crying into our beers and they're having dinner with the enemy, so to speak. And I look at that as a lot. You see us as a general citizenry tear each other apart. And then, and again, I'm not necessarily saying it should be different. I think the more healthy construct is the people getting together. But you see Air Force One. I remember the picture distinctly of Obama, George W., and Hillary Clinton going down to, um, I believe it was uh, 
Nelson Mandela's funeral, and they're all chummy chummy on Air Force One as they go down. Now, I'm not saying they should be at each other's throats, and I think that's mm-hmm. we could use them. Mm-hmm. But that's but perception. They're in the cool mm-hmm. kids club. We're not in the cool kids club. And I think if America stands for one thing or should continue, it's like we left to get away from kings and queens, right? Yeah. We wanted to have it be ruled by the masses, and we don't have that. I mean, they're all got their club, and then there's us. So. Yeah. And you're not ready for political office. Can use that. <laughs> Please don't. I think anybody that shows a desire to be a politician should be ruled out. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, so the only people fit for public office are those that don't want it. Yeah. yeah, and the reluctant ones should be the ones that it should yeah. be like voting or jury duty. You have to have to do it as a civil service or yeah. whatever. Oh gosh, that um, would be terrible. Yeah, you're like no. So let's start at the start then, Tim. Tell us your background, who you are, where you came from, story so far. Yeah, well, the quick version, I grew up, most of my childhood, I was born in Spokane, most of my childhood was in Clarkson, my dad was a principal during that, 4 to 14 time frame, high school was in the Tri-Cities, we moved we moved around quite a bit, so I ended up uh, a couple different high schools, went to Carroll College for a couple years, um, that's when I was just hell-bent on playing football, um, and getting paid to do it, had a scholarship to go there. And I also was the first time I can remember this pretty obedient kid, just not lack of creativity, didn't think to disobey. Um, I wish I was like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to claim any moral superiority, just (laughs) sheer lack of of creativity. But when I got to Carroll, I thought I'd be pre-med. You're good at math and science. People are like, oh, you're going to be a doctor. Like, sure, sounds good. (laughs) Uh, Up until recently, Bill Cosby and Dr. Huxtable seemed like a – yeah, they had money and a happy family and all those good things. And um, that was when I got there. I was like, you know, I just didn't enjoy it. I realized, okay, I got to really start thinking for myself and finding out who I am and what's going to make make me happy. And um, despite being uh, pretty introverted, not shy, I've never been shy, but fairly introverted, I, I started to realize just again how much I enjoyed working with people um, and looking for different professions along that end and that was when I got introduced to an investment firm here in town and the thing that attracted me then still attracts me today uh, to so many aspects of this business is I get to do a little bit of everything it requires math it requires sociology psychology politics economics Um, so you get to um, you know you don't have to and of course all that all those things because it's people relationships um, yeah yeah so uh just kept digging deeper on that i while i was at whitworth was a Rhodes scholar finalist and, and part of the teachers that dedicate a lot of time to helping me prepare for that I went through literally a formal training for the better part of a year um what well, you need to go get a postgrad degree see the world from a different perspective and the near unanimous opinion on that was go to law school um, understand how everything works from that. Don't necessarily be a lawyer, uh, <laughs> but do that. So I went to Utah Law, and again, the competitive. I went in saying like, "Oh, I'm just getting here for the education. I'm not going to practice." Then the competitive juices mm-hmm. kicked in. I ended up at uh, Perkins Coie in Seattle, dominant uh, oh. firm in the region. Um, in fact, when the Washington State Bar Association puts out their rankings, of top ten, multiple years they put like we all know who number one is who's number two. I mean, and again, looked at, looked around again, every, every place you work is a snapshot in time. So I won't speak to who, where it was before or after, but looked around at 
lot of you know failed marriages people connecting with their kids via telephones and I just thought you know I'm either going to become them or I don't belong here I had some different um, you know different things go on there that was just like this just isn't my place um, and thought you know that investment thing might be a good backup plan <laughs> so came back to the firm um, and that was I'll stop there but uh, that was the beginning of this new venture that ultimately became 10 Capital. So was a bit I was like, that's then. a good segue right there, everybody. You just keep talking, Tim. Take your water sip and keep talking. Yeah, I think the biggest, again, somewhat of that same thing that I talked about being the epiphany at Carroll, you realize uh, it's an ongoing uh, point of attention for myself, how much we do um, without a lot of thought behind it, how we dress, how we act, where we go, what goals we have, what expectations we have of us people in relationships with whatever and and so when I came back um, again realized this as much as any was an industry that was just kind of doing things because it was the way they'd always been done I was actually at lunch with a, a friend from Whitworth I was like did you come up with all these different things on your own and I don't think any of us completely comes up with anything original but so much of what became 10 capital which is let's in all things approach clients and prospective clients with a really unique approach and be sympathetic and understanding to them in that how they engage with us from the initial time as a prospect to an ongoing perspective as a client is with respect for their time. And so, again, I looked around, I said this before, it was just for an industry that deals with such personal things, it was so impersonal. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very patronizing Again, to use the cliche, you can lead through love or fear. It was one that led through a lot of fear um, or derivative thereof in the sense that it was just like, I'm doing, I'm, you need me because you couldn't do this for yourself, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to, I'm going to treat you so well and help empower you that within that, again, that derivative of love, you're going to appreciate um, being in a relationship with me. And while I'm sure there are people out there that I think, was still pretty new people even to the extent that you're talking about planning and getting mm-hmm. to know people they weren't really doing it. it was all investment prowess and so yeah I came back to the firm uh, you know good good group of guys good firm but again kind of stuck in their ways learned the quick lesson of the whole take over the practice I came in hey we have no sons you know we're, you're the guy to lead us into the here's the, new, the teaser the new century and I think they meant it sincerely I, I don't know them to be dishonest people but Pretty soon, son-in-law showed up on the scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty soon, they realized that doing something different meant change, as obvious as that might be. It's amazing how many change people yep. say, I would like my life to look like this, 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 and this. Yeah, but I'm also comfortable. It seems pretty obvious that you're going to have to change to get any of those things. And then you're like, oh, all right. Well, then that means you need to, to point a part your eat less, work out more, do this. And you're like, whoa, wait, whoa. I just said I want to look like Zach Efron. <laughs> Not that I want to eat and work out like Zach Efron. Totally. It's just a different deal. So... You know, pretty amicably above board. There were no midnight letters on the desk. We tried to work things out, even structure things internally. And we launched a little over seven years ago now to form 10 Capital and have been having people join. And again, much like clients, I think the advisors, uh, Ben can speak for himself, but have joined this firm, have come in because they wanted to feel empowered. They wanted community. Um, they recognize that none of us can do it on our own and that they wanted to be in a place that would come alongside them, um, not only to be supportive, but also to hold them accountable to who they should be. Mm-hmm. So, so I've, heard, I've heard Ben's version 
and I think obviously what part is that on a podcast? <laughs> a lot of our listeners <laughs> kind of hear what how Ben does things. <laughs> but if someone says sits down in front of you and they've got X amount of dollars to invest and it's it's substantial, yeah. and they say to you, "So why should I work with you instead of someone across the street that essentially does the same what's thing?" What is it, what's the true point of difference for? And and you mentioned relationship, but beyond that, what are you guys doing that's different from how other firms do it? I guess I would I would hit it. Um, I'll try to remember uh, so you guys will help me. I think there's corporate structure level um, and investment uh, perspective, and then a personal perspective. You got that down? You can help remind me. From the firm uh, from the firm perspective, it would be this, which is. I think we're, the, uh, I've got a three-year-old, so I'm all into nursery. I think we're the middle porridge in the sense that, yes, there's big national companies that have powerhouse marketing budgets and 100-year legacies and all of these things, but most of them have been cheapened out um, as they've become publicly traded, and now the you know number one person that any of them work for, whether they want to admit it uh, or not, um, in my not-so-humble opinion on this, on this matters for shareholders. On the other hand, you have some people who, so to them, we would talk about our independence, uh, and again, these are three meaningful things uh, to me that do, I believe, impact relationships on deep levels. There's obviously people who could claim to be independent, but the problem there is, um, while the first group might care about money and prestige, this latter group, the lone wolves or the one or two man shops, too often I find they're, they're wrapped up in themselves, you know, because for those people who come here, I'm talking about the advisors now that would be taking care of you, whether that's me or anyone else, you've got to give something up. And I think everyone should be in a position where that's the case. You shouldn't have anything that's keeping you from putting your clients first. That was point number one. But by the same token, you, you shouldn't work in isolation. It's a scary place to be mm-hmm. in any respect of your life, I think. Um, and, and so we're there. From the investment perspective, we'll use this line where we don't know what we're going to do for you before you sit down. Everybody else, whether, again, it's a monetary interest or an ego interest, they're the twin things that always are coming in. I think I'm a stock picker. Or if you use this product, I get paid more. They've got some preset agenda. Mm-hmm. They're going to figure out a way to tell you that your needs, your problems fit a certain subset of solutions. Yep. We don't have any of that. You come in, we're literally going to listen and design something that's, I tell people, I come. I absolutely come in with a preset agenda. I want to make you so happy that you never leave me and that you tell your friends and family about me. And it's a good agenda to have. Right? That's, it is. That's true. Mm-hmm. I want that. Good. Now, the byproduct of that is I've probably done right by you. Even if it hasn't worked. The intentions were good, right? Even if, even if you in, have a down came year, in, came in, yeah. With and I guess I, I to that, to a little bit to the that first part. It, coming back around to the personal side again, the people who come here, when you're willing to give some things up, this is point number three. I was like, at you know, you don't need a co-captain or a captain of your ship when the sun's out, right? It's the storm that scares people. Mm-hmm. And as much as we all think we're brave and tough and strong, and in many cases are. Statistics would bear out that most people, when it comes to investing, do better with than uh, someone else than uh, or with someone than without someone else. Then the question is, who do you want in the boat, right? Do I strike you? And I leave this as a rhetorical question. Or does anyone else strike you as the guy that, when it's all going down, 
you I, you would like me to be one of the numbers that you can call and one of the people you can come see. Yeah. Um, and and that just speaks to again to how much we care. But it it's indicative. Of, I, I mentioned that as point three, not because it's the least important, perhaps it's the most, but it's it's the byproduct of those first things and the type of people who see, recognize, and value that, who put self second and client first. Be like, well, everybody says that, sure, but what are they doing that shows you that that's true? Mm-hmm. They're only cared about their payout and working by themselves and nobody knowing how often they're in their office. That's not you first. It's mm-hmm. all about the name on the door and where they're yeah. at and the prestige and how silky their business card is. That's not putting you first. Things are a little bit gritty at 10 Capital, but I think that's what people want. That's good. I like it. I like it too. I like it. So what do you see the next five or 10 years for 10 Capital? What's what's next? Uh, well, we're working on a number of things right, right now. I, I do think... I think scale matters. I'll, I'll be very, I, we are mapping to a pretty distinct place. I'm, I'm using today's dollars. I, I think it's going to become paramount um, to, to again, to straddle that, that fence that we were talking about earlier between the independent and, and the wirehouse. Scale matters because people are going to want a certain service level and technology. Um, I said before, and I love this line, it's true of, what you do, I, I, for what I know, Steve. Yeah, if you're one, if all you're doing is running a lemonade stand and you need a square to help run your mm-hmm. selling, then they probably don't need you and don't need to pay up for your services. And I right? tell them that. If they have a $10,000 account and they really just want to put in the S&P 500, they probably don't need to be here either. But as they say, when the time, the time um to, to make it right or the consequences of being wrong become too costly, then you go find someone. And mm-hmm. I believe that should, should how it be. But if you continue to define yourself as an access point as opposed to added value, yep. forever people were just gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. Called me because you had to run a stock. I was the only guy you could call to run a stock trade, right? Yeah. Not me literally, but the thing. Oh, I'm the only place you can get this. Come to my general store. For Ameritrade. That's where Amazon that. and Ameritrade and whomever are killing everyone. It's like, if that's how you defined it. Is accessibility. It's yeah. just, I, I'm the guy who can get you X. Then you're dead. If you can bring extra value to it, that can't be automated, right? Yeah, well, you don't want to be commoditized, right? That's that relationship thing you keep coming back to. So I, But I do think people and, and deserve great technology, great accessibility, um, and that costs money and service, and so scale matters for that. And so, you know, when we grow, and we've I've put this in countless pieces, I put out to clients like, you will see it, and I our clients I believe can point to a ton of different things. It will go back into your experience. Mm-hmm. We will share a gift of your introductions to make your world a better place. Mm-hmm. By the same token, I do think it's very real that. Um, so you can hold me accountable. You can play this podcast back to me if the little devil's getting a little too loud on my shoulder. You can only get so big in our industry and still be who you are. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, a big thing, again, harkening back to that captain on the ship thing, is relationship. And it's very difficult to maintain the culture that I think is so vital to this industry mm-hmm. at scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and let's be honest, they don't. I mean, I there's a big merger here recently in the news. Um, I'm not going to question anybody's motives. I just disagree with their methodology of doing it. Um, everybody has a reason they should be selling to somebody else, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And those days can come. But when you look at the the deal, which is go to a PE backer, private equity backer, gobble up 
entice you and everyone else with enough checks to join the team and give mm-hmm. them away share so you can get to a certain thing to package up and sell yourself has nothing again to do with putting the clients first it almost becomes um, like I'm an sure MLM. those people have yeah, kind of maybe they have they view things differently or they've told themselves enough things to convince themselves but um, I, so again much to that mental porridge example again, I think there's that fine line between getting to kind of a, a multi-billion dollar regional RIA where you have the scale you still have a relatively small group, let's arbitrarily call it 20 to 30 um, advisors at tops, where you can be close knit. Um, but you start getting much bigger than that. I, I would argue it's about your bottom line, not about the clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just to add to what you said a little bit, there's sort of three industries that there's um, very, very specific cliches and, and stereotypes. I think finance lawyers and banking mm-hmm. so you can kind of put banking and finance together mm-hmm. and a lot of them i'll give a body swerve and there's nobody in this office that i wouldn't want to go for a beer with and i think that That's speaks cool. to That's how good. you hire mm-hmm. um the beer test that you Tyler know talked about. um there's a few firms in town that i hear as i'm out networking and talking to people promising people returns and i mean that's not even legal i don't believe no um and we've talked about that yeah. ben um when i called the guy out and basically told him if you're guaranteeing that i'll find a million dollars I'll go and get two or three people and find a million dollars and he didn't enjoy it. But no, this is a being in and around this office obviously more in the last six months or so. It's been real cool to see how it works and how yeah. your how your how your people the are from top te- to bottom. The beer test is real. I've I've, I've told this before and it happened again just here recently, um, which is some version of person walks into the office mm-hmm. and uh, but the the time that uh, is most specific is we had a client advisory board and we got around um, to a lady and she's probably in her 60s been widowed for a while we're like what do you like best about 10 capital and what's one thing we should improve or change the thing she said she liked best was she goes every time I show up I feel like everybody's been waiting for me and that's a different that's variant great. of what you yeah. just said yeah. which mm-hmm. is it's just a really warm group mm-hmm it's really hard to see. I, ben and I were talking about this earlier. Ben and I don't make great first impressions. <laughs> um, <coughs> most, uh, Was that the note you made earlier? It's, it's a, it's a <laughs> sub note. No. Stephen loves it anytime somebody says um, something like that. I, and I think, and we're d- a little bit different. In that ben and I have a lot of similarities, but he's definitely more extroverted where I'm more introverted. Again, not that we, neither one of us would walk into a room and sit in the corner, but can come off as arrogant because we're shy where it really comes from is a desire above all things to be sincere and authentic. I would rather, and I probably shouldn't, and I should, and I do continue to work to find a middle ground, but I would rather, sadly, <laughs> if I had to pick between two bad things, have you think I'm arrogant or fake, I would rather be arrogant. Mm-hmm. I don't, I think, mm, um, I just, yeah. So 100% agree. Yeah. Being authentic, you know, the people are like, buddy, bro, what's up? And like for some people, they can do that. Yeah, and they really, you know, they're like, I remember meeting that Steven guy. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see yeah. it. It's totally. That's perfect. what everybody says. Right? That's why I use that as an example. <laughs> watch uh, it. Watch look at those it. Eyes. <laughs> Daggers. For me, I'm like, I do remember meeting you and it was a pleasant experience, but I don't really know you that well. So I'm not going to be so presumptuous to think I do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, just, yeah. just being mindful of it. But to, to get back to the, the vision, we've got to grow. That means great teammates. That means obviously meeting new clients um, uh, to give a better, you know, continually improve technology, client experience, et cetera. But 
um, not at not at any cost. It's great yeah. that you're focused on infrastructure and technology because yeah. if you can put it in some the palm of someone's hand and it's make it tangible for them. July. But that's, <laughs> in in every industry, that's what we should coming. talk maybe a little bit about ten cap next because I'm pretty yeah. stoked about that. Yeah, we, yeah. Let's well, let's talk. This yeah, is a co- get, common question interview. that we get a lot of the time though too. So everybody asks, what's behind the the name Ten Capital? Why ten? Is it because we have ten employees? <laughs> I, Do we have ten million dollars under management, and that's it? <laughs> million, <laughs> billion dollars. The but ten. I, I really do. Just speak for myself. I know this is a shot at uh, a lot of different people, and I know things were different fifty years ago when a lot of these things got put in place in terms of firm names. But I just, again, that same thing. If you want colleagues to buy into. A group idea. You notice Ben introduced me in about 15 different ways without using the word I work for, Tim. Never said boss once. Right. Very, very thankful. We already had that discussion early on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I got to first started. No, and also, sorry, people come into this industry and many of them come in because they want to be treated as, with respect and as individuals and, and have their own autonomy. And I recognize that. And I would much rather titles and rankings matter far far less to me than having a great team so when you say hey man i really like your team but not if i'm calling you their boss fine by me that's awesome now if ben wanted to call me sir i would allow him to call me sir. (laughs) i'm not holding my breath call you you something sir (laughs) call you captain (laughs) so the 10 short it was my grandfather's jersey number. This was a guy who ran a public utility. He was not worth millions of dollars. He wasn't worth a million of dollars. Maybe the lake place that he uh, built off a two thousand dollar lot of land from nineteen fifty two is probably maybe worth a million bucks when he passed on six years later. But um, I've shared the story, and it distinctly speaks to a few things. I asked him one day, "Do you consider yourself a success?" And he said, "Thought about it for me." He's like, "Yes." I said, "Okay, why?" He goes, well, my wife is 63 years, is upstairs, so I'd like to think I was a good husband. My grandson's here talking to me um, when he could be somewhere else, so that would, I'd like to think I was a good father and grandfather. And a friend is coming to pick me up to go walk the Valley Mall and grab a coffee, so I'd like to think, you know, and I have nothing more to give anyone who's nine, almost 90 at this point. And I kind of listened to that, and I walked to him, and I was like, hey, yeah. And then particularly the last part really stuck with me, which is, if we're honest, like if, if you had nothing to give anyone anymore, you didn't throw the cool party, you didn't have the invite, you couldn't drive, um, how many people would come pick you up? And so it became this odd but still very powerful guiding post to me, even when people talk about what's the goal of 10 Capital. It's like, I'd like to be the boss, <laughs> colleague, friend to my, my coworkers, my colleagues, my clients, my community, so that maybe two or three people will come pick me up when I can't drive. Mm-hmm. And I think when you take that and you extrapolate that into every little thing you do, but if that's your vision, that whole thing, which I know is a, a, a mouthful, and then you call it Mitrovich Capital, <laughs> pronunciation <laughs> problems aside, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really ring true, right? And so when I looked at my grandfather, you know, football jersey, team sport, obviously, mm-hmm. Um, being one part of it, but beyond that, everything he represented, um, you know, I remember distinctly when he passed on two linemen, he ran Verawater and Power in the Valley, 
at his bedside crying. They probably would have been in the first five years. He had been retired for like 25 years. Mm-hmm. You know, these two big, burly, tough guys weeping at this guy's bedside. I'm like, what the? Yeah. That's pretty so crazy he had an impact boss, on lots of people. Right? Yeah. I mean, so to have been retired at whatever he was, 65, 70, mm-hmm. and to have some 35 year olds, years later. 20 some years later, coming and crying because of whatever impact. I'm like, man, that's pretty. That's, I don't know. You know, the questions I wish I could have gotten more time to unpack with them was in the, you know, there's a Joe Custer day in the Valley. He was, he's in the, you know, what they call the sports hall of fame in the, uh, as a contributor, <laughs> um, not because of his athletic prowess at the Spokane mm-hmm. uh, arena. It's just a guy who gave to, so he was about community. He was about team. He was about others before self. And I thought what a cool, uh, way to honor the guy who obviously meant a ton to me personally, yeah. but would create a guidepost for clients and colleagues that, hey, man, this is a bigger vision. And then when you talk about things like, I mean, that is, we're already doing it in smaller ways, but the whole thing was um, we're going to take what by all accounts is a pretty blessed existence, albeit a lot of work, and find ways to pay that back in both the present as well as the future. Yeah, so Mitrovic is it's obviously Eastern Bloc. What's the background there? Serbian. Serbian. <laughs> There's a story behind that. Some, we won't say. Between, we're not going to yeah. talk about that. We're not going to talk about uh, <laughs> local. No, CEO no, who no. Said they'd shoot no, me in the face because I'm no, Serbian. All right, no. all right. Wait, what? No. Wait. Different story. <laughs> yeah, it was his wife. For another, for another day. Another day. No, don't so, get us all in trouble. I got a good one that's going to go off that though. If okay, yours go is still for family it. related. Yeah. Okay. So. You talk about family. Family's important to you. I know it's become more important as you have your daughters and they're growing up and everything too. Mm-hmm. Something I ask a lot of people t- uh, in our past uh, interviews is balance, right? It's like you're trying to run a company, trying to be a good father, trying to be a good husband, trying to maintain health uh, and be there for teammates. Any effective, ineffective ways of juggling it all? Effective or ineffective? Yeah. This is, I mean, be, the part of this is like being real, right? Like, what have you struggled think, with and I what have you overcome? That, or I think the thing that's really it? real, because um, I, you know, I was 39 when Addie was born. So it's a lot of years of getting to just so care and be care, care about myself. I know, right? So old. I'm ready for the Olympics whenever you guys are ready to hold them. I'll, I'll come in as the old guy. Um, OTE Olympics? No, you, you, you realize pretty quick that you do you do try to find balance. I've taken turns where my health wasn't, fitness wasn't where it should have been. I wasn't the husband um, in terms of intentionality and time um, that I should have been. Uh, and so I think the biggest thing that I had to learn in terms of effective thing is you have to give up almost. The only thing about myself that I didn't give up is – my fitness and that's not always even popular within my household like get last yesterday afternoon when i was down on my peloton bike doing a ride but it's so critical to my mental well-being i'm a and this is some of my colleagues everyone's like man you've been a lot more pleasant to be around since you've been working out it's a release valve right yeah <laughs> totally, totally. Stress um, valve, just right? gets you know um and, and a whole bunch you know part is just when you are i think fit you feel better about yourself mm-hmm. that's real no matter who you are and then obviously there's endorphin effects and chemical balances and things like that. But we don't, I was joking about it. I mean, we catch up a little bit when we're out of town on our HBO app. <laughs> so we, we did catch up on Game of Thrones. I won't spoil it for anyone. Horrible um, ending, by the way. 
But uh, we don't watch TV anymore. You know, I, I catch some sports in the fall. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's that's it. It's work, family, fitness. That's it. You know, I mean, we go to church on Sundays. But in terms of what's dominating a lot of time during the week, I work out. I go to work. I come home. I wife and or hang out with the wife and kids. Do you structure time with family? I know a lot of people say, like, we have daddy-daughter morning breakfasts every other, you know, whatever. I haven't found a way to make that something that could stick on a routine yeah. basis I yet. didn't know. I figured it was just off-the-cuff um, question. Saturday mornings are usually sacrosanct in terms of going and taking Addie down to the, you know, carousel and going taking her to lunch and doing mm-hmm. some stuff like that. I just try to be mindful. I just I, I will pull up my calendar on kind of two week increments and and see um, you know I, I I don't believe in just going big and not doing stuff. But there are times where it's like a couple weeks from now we get to go spend a week down in Southern Cal. I do have some work there. There's a lot of intermixing work and pleasure trips. Yeah. But we get to go spend time at cool. Disneyland and get to go do that and that doesn't happen if you don't have some money and money requires work. And so there is one of those things where it's like, look, we get to do some stuff as balance. a family and show my kids some experiences that a lot of people can't do. But that means there's sometimes where I'm not home as early. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer in that mixing the work and the pleasure. You know, if you're going to go to somewhere you've never been or even somewhere you have, but you enjoy it, schedule a day either side of what you're doing for mm-hmm. work and, and, and explore. I mean, there's a ton of work too. I think it's it's very seasonal. I, I consider myself pretty fortunate in some respects to have had the kids later. I think you can do it a lot of different ways because I was able to get the firm up and running and just put a ton of time and effort into that. And it's not that you're working less, but let's face it, all of us learn how to work smarter once we get more yep. experience. Yep. And so kind of a base built under your to, foundation. To do there. what we're doing. And the other thing is I've never been, I know, I know talking to business owners, this is a big one, um, and Ben can attest this, you know, whether it's technology, infrastructure, people, we've spent literally hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that a lot of other people in this line of work who are in my spot would put in their own pocket. Like I pay for a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff in ways that goes far beyond the, the Disneyland trips, the cheap part. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's good. But it's also to help make sure the client, uh, you know, isn't just because I'm gone, they're not, they're not losing yeah. something out of their experience. So we're going to get to some of the really fun stuff now. We want to talk about, um, so your, your firm's seven years old. I've known Ben for five years. I've never known you in any job but 10 Capital. But mm, you guys uh, obviously courted Ben a little bit and, and brought him in. What was, the, what was the thought process there? What made you want to bring Ben in? And since you did bring him in, what growth have you seen? in the last seven years or so. How long have you been here now? Ben? Come up with something. You can lie if you have to. <laughs> <laughs> I already wrote it down. And you can't say that his waistline grew because now it's back to where it was. <laughs> my, there's some Instagram pic like two two months ago. Um, my wife and I, you know, were the morning weekend kind of like, Ben's got arms. Like, <laughs> I remember you said that. Yeah, we're like, is that a tricep I see popping out of that? No, Ben's looking good. Ben's looking good. Um, I think the dynamic's changing. It has in some ways since Ben's joined. But look, you, you get – I almost everyone in this line of work, other than the 10 Capital crew, <laughs> his daddy was in the business. This isn't a business you just get into. Um, we're all dumb enough, stubborn enough, talented enough, combination thereof – to 
persevere and make it happen. I think it's one of it is something to answer your question. I'll bring it up from time to time because it's like I think it does speak to not just merit in terms of intellect, but in terms of character of a certain um, grit to use Angela Duckworth's uh, book um, that exists within this team. So, but you're putting this thing together and you realize pretty quick, you're not going to go get to the extent that there is the wonderful man or woman with a large book of business and experience. They're not, unless there's just something very fortuitous, which didn't happen to us, going to come join a relatively new firm. Independent as well. Yeah. So, yeah. And they, and so, what I realized in pretty short order through some skin knees and failings from some people who lacked character that were here originally is I, rather than spend my time trying to woo away, the, oh, again, a good person with a good book of business, I really liked the idea for a whole lot of business longevity as well as where I could probably find the best talent to go find young people who just needed a chance and who had the right character makeup. They just needed time, training, experience, team, colleagues to, to help build them into what they were going to be. And so I had heard from quite a few different people about Ben um, and that he was a good guy who worked really hard and cared about his clients, went above and beyond. I'm like, that's, that's, all, that's a starting point. We can work with that. And so we got together with Ben, and and what I should have paid more attention to because of skinned a couple of knees since then, is you don't have when someone not I, with me, <laughs> Stephen. Don't no, look up. No, He's looking no, over at me no. like, what did you do, Ben? No, ben. I'm like, damn it, Tim. Ben's in. Get some context. Ben, Ben's in his point of other stuff. But I'll save that. I'll save that for my invite back. Um, if I've learned something about life too, because I I specialize in putting square pegs in round holes, mm-hmm. and it's start to every bad tale in my life when you meet someone personally or professionally uh it just works and it's so hard i think to have things not go your way or things fail i didn't have to once i explained the vision to ben and jake did like he got it he he liked it he bought into it and and i think that's it is you know we're never going to work with seven billion people on the planet they're not all going to work here all these things that kind of again like change Mm -hmm. that we were alluding to earlier what was not obvious it is, but then why do we all fret the handful of people that don't like us, don't want to work with us, don't want to do? They were never all going to anyway. Find find that group tribe, I guess, is the mm-hmm. popular way of putting that now. In terms of how Ben's changed, I mean, one of the things. Can I be candid? Yeah, that's <laughs> candid. Is the way we yeah, want we to can go. edit it all. If you out want to swear, go to. ahead and swear. No, I think <laughs> um, ben, ben in good ways is a very interesting guy. I think he's extremely curious. Every strength has its weakness. Mm-hmm. Ben's curiosity would lead him to, uh, he does this far less now, just like try stuff. I'm going to try saying this to somebody. I'm going to try, never in, a, <laughs> never in a heartless way, yep. mind you, or in a way with uh, ill intent, okay, because he, he was always a person of high character. But just, yeah, he, he just do stuff or, or over, overthink certain things. Again, I don't think these are uncommon to anyone in their 20s. Um, what I would say, and I mean this is one of the highest compliments I can pay someone, Ben always has been willing to listen. So originally, if you're like, Ben, you shouldn't do this, or Ben, here's something you should try. Ben, where so many people get defensive right away, Ben would always listen. 
mm-hmm. he always assumed that if and, and this is advice I tell people someone who you believe cares about you comes you doesn't mean they're right but does mean you should probably listen and comes to you with advice because it's it's really hard I remember when Jake and I would come on a couple things like dude that wasn't the right way to approach that yeah. um, Ben always listened truly listened could take it in and be like I really appreciate you guys bringing this out I'm gonna I'm gonna handle that differently that spoke wonders I was I remember just Jake and I distinctly talking about Ben and being like that is maturity beyond its years that's character that you just sometimes never manifest for anyone there's so many people who always want to make an excuse pass mm-hmm. a buck oh I'm not stupid you're stupid that kind of, that just wasn't Ben now what's been cool to see with Ben is outside of development a lot of different things he's become this person both with himself and with respect to other people who just self flex uh, really well and a self-diagnosing and almost coming to you for that feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think to the, extent, not from you, Steven. to the extent, that, <laughs> to the extent that you're that's seeing his success and momentum mount, I think that that's a big part of it is he's, again, everybody can give lip service to a lot of things, but he is like, I think this group willing to learn and grow and listen and, not pretend they have it all figured out and they want to get better and they mm-hmm. want to be around people who hold them accountable. Um, and so that's been really, that's that's kind of arc of Ben. Always with character, always in a willingness to listen, but now he's developed an ability to self-diagnose, which has been yeah. cool to see. And that's, coachability is really important. And it's one of the reasons I'm surprised that you were never an athlete, didn't play any sports because you're coachable, you listen, you apply, um, and there's a dedication there. So it, And it's, a big... Yeah, I could have been a heck of a linebacker. But you know what? I took him out to the the stadium oh, last week at the falls, and we put some ladders out and cones, and we were doing SEQ work. It was it was pretty comical. Some of the sequences. It developed. So here's what I would say. So <laughs> here, I'll tell him myself because I was defensive last week uh, when I should shouldn't have been. So we we had a great week, four of us over in Seattle for a few days. And Ben was kind enough to bring back a couple chairs uh, from our place in Seattle back here for us. And what did I could I can't tie a knot to say. I mean, I can tie like your old like this is ugly nineteen <laughs> knots on a knot thing. And Ben's like, dude, you really don't know how to tie a knot. Now the short answer is no, I do not. I am <laughs> boy scout mostly boy scout, right? So I I, I sh- popped off defensively like no, I was too lear- busy learning how to play a football. He quickly correctly retorted. That's well, not helping you much now, is it? <laughs> and so, yes, Ben did develop the greater. You know, I probably learned some other life skills by being an athlete, but uh, can't, yeah. tie, can't tie a knot. Ben can. I didn't can. even put that together until you said it all again. Now I'm like, that was pretty funny, actually. Ben saved the day. <laughs> ben, or at least some nice chairs, and my wife's happy. So yeah, and they didn't blow off the back of the truck coming yeah. out to Seattle. Thank God. Well, at least you know you can always be a delivery man as a backup. Hey, you know what? <sighs> yeah, I think goes sideways. <laughs> We're good. Yeah, so you can jump in at any point, Ben, but obviously I'm just asking from from strengths and weaknesses when Ben started to where he is now, what do you think are his biggest places for growth and where do you think he excels? We talked about some of the stuff that he does really well. Just what has he changed or continued places to work? Either or. I mean, just tell us, I mean, where do you see the most room for growth and where do you think everybody else can learn from Ben? Uh, places people can learn from Ben is Ben is extremely well organized um, and 
Not when he goes to the gym, he forgets stuff all the time. How many times have you worked out with no socks? Twice, only twice without socks. I would forget socks. That was always. I definitely brought two shirts one day. I had my compression shorts and two shirts. Change underwear thing. It brings in a whole new. How hard am I gonna sweat? Yep. But no, he's very well organized. He's got things dialed down, and. You know, I, I don't care who you are. I think that's something you can always improve, and Ben does it as well as anybody here at the office in terms of his organization. I think if, if we're going on places to, I wouldn't necessarily call this a weakness, but just work on something. Um, this industry, I think this has been anyway, but I think this industry only exacerbates it. Um, and again, I know you're talking millennials earlier. I think it's a millennial thing too. It probably always has been, truth be told, uh-huh. which is I want to hurry up and be there. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and so then I'll you agree. work you work alongside people where you know Ben's a close friend of mine, but he's 14 years back. 14 years ago, I was nowhere where Ben was. 12 years now. I keep thinking he is 28, only 12 years. Yeah, I'm um, 30 now. And so, no, Ben doesn't have as much money as I do or as many clients as I do, but he's got way more than I had when I was 30. Yeah. Right? So, you know, it's always important to strive to have a certain benchmark, but at the same time, like, show yourself a little bit of grace. And, and again, not to try to plug my own podcast, but it's one of the things I enjoy talking about with entrepreneurs is there isn't any one path. And I think the great misconception is that it's gone easy or smoothly or without hiccups for people or happened quickly. It's the whole like, after 20 years, I was an overnight success joke. It's true. It's like a lot of time and effort went into that. And so I think, again, far from chastising Ben, the one thing we're always encouraging him here is, man, you're you're doing a great job as a person, as a professional, as a husband, now as a dad. Like, keep grinding. You know, Ben and I meet regularly. He's probably the only person I do uh, continue to do with at the firm by his choice, um, which is everything we've been talking about. Help me issue spot. Where should I go? Mm-hmm. I'm running out of things to do. What could I do here? What, how could I make this happen? Um, but you got to, within that, show yourself some grace to, you know, enjoy the ride. I think one of the biggest reasons, I was talking about this earlier, but I mean it sincerely, I have to remember this. One of the biggest reasons last episodes, i.e. Game of Thrones, are such disappointments for people is you're hearkening back to the end of season three or four when mm-hmm. there's like eight raging storylines and there's almost like his endorphin, like, oh my God, this is happening and that's happening. And then you're wanting, you somehow think again subconsciously that the, the finale it's going to mean so much more. And without being melodramatic, I 100% believe this and it's something I have to because I'm glory in it. I'm like mm-hmm. a lot like Ben. Uh, if I didn't mention that earlier, it's the ride, man. I think that's when you talk to 85 and 9 year olds like, oh my mm-hmm. God, I remember when I was yeah. 42. And all the same thing. Like, the process. Throw, all these wars are raging. This is going on. All the stuff that we complain about today yeah. is the stuff we look back on fondly yeah. at some point in the future. And then when the conclusion's all done, and you have all the money, and you have whatever plaques you're gonna get, and you're like, I trade it all to be back in the thick of it. Yeah, go and do it again. And so you're expecting something, whether it's personally or again, even from a TV show. It's not how life works. It's totally it's counterintuitive, but I I believe that to be true, and I think it's a healthy mindset. It's one I have to remind myself of. It's one that I talk about um, holding each other accountable with regularities. Enjoy, 
try to enjoy the ride. Mm-hmm. It's always we're always looking at that next rung on the ladder, but man, enjoy mm-hmm. the ride. And I'll yeah. say honestly, I think all of us have gotten better about that too. I think you even. It's like. I think one of the coolest memories probably I've had so far, and I don't know, I think I've ever told Jake this, is when we were driving to uh, Seattle for meetings, and I was like, let's just stop off in Sunkadia for lunch. It's like, and it's like most of those, those things you're like, well, that's not really on our itinerary. It's not part of the plan, right? But it's like those times where you go off plan yeah. that are like the memories. And we stopped and we had lunch, and we had just had like, a, I don't even know, a chicken sandwich. Or but it's like we're in this cool lodge looking out at the, the mountainside and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It's like on our way for lunch. It's like sometimes taking an hour just to go off plan and go off chart and and not follow the routine. Yeah, I've learned uh, in the last five years has been. It's amazing what your energy does when you go off plan too. It's like you're not just you're not just click 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 That's- click. It's oh oh this is different this is i'm driving a different way home this is exciting and new that's the old soul in you and you know i'm i'm 38 i'm closer to you than i am to ben and sometimes i forget ben's eight years younger than me mm-hmm. you know it's like oh okay because you, you and it's a good quality yeah. to have that that old soul that that ability to reflect and you know hey mm-hmm. we're gonna do something weird mm-hmm. let's go do it yeah um, yeah. I, I really enjoy that. So let's talk fitness a little bit. Um, you talked about it meaning a lot to you, former football player, athletic background. You're doing Peloton now. What made you do Peloton? What's your goal with all of your fitness right now, other than just as a, a release valve? Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I have. I've been. I've, I've been thinking about that because you know it was always this, it was always somehow going to be a competition. I do think it's just turned a lot more insular where it was always beating someone else something or at least competing mm-hmm. with them. Uh, you become that own thing you're chasing or maybe some former version of yourself. You never lose it. You never lose a competitiveness. It's, it's interesting to me, though. And I, I don't mean this to come off arrogant in any way, shape, or form, but people will look at certain things I'll do from how even how my wife and I will do things charitably to fitness levels, and I think they think, like, well, now, because they presume something about my state of life, much of which is pretty good, I'll be honest. Um, but we were prioritizing with our time and what little money we had. I was dead broke when I met my wife, by the way. <laughs> um, uh, uh, just coming off uh, a divorce, but uh, I've always, I've always tried to, I've always prioritized that. There's a couple brief seasons, one more injury caused. Um, I couldn't but sat down huge vision board guy um, huge map it out be intentional big on this whole conscious subconscious dynamic that I've you know from Game of Thrones finales to everything else and so that's where we put our money you know so I think a lot of people I've had a trainer that I've worked out with for five years this August um, and spent a lot of money on multiple peloton bikes but it's my health mm-hmm. you know and in the whole grand scheme of things people blow a lot I, I would guarantee you that your typical person who would feed me some crap spent more on trips or weekend partying whatever phase of life would be more relevant to them than I spent on my peloton bike. absolutely <laughs> you spent two thousand bucks on an exercise bike? it's like I could put my hand in the air. I've, I've done it's, that in a few days in it, Vegas. Right? Yeah. So, or, or a trip. Oh, that's fancy. You have a trainer come out. It's like, it's my health, man. 
Yep. And as much as disciplined as I think I am, like um, I've always needed and liked sleep and getting my butt out of bed at five thirty is a lot easier if I got a guy waiting in my basement who I know is mm-hmm. like, where are you, dude? Knows how to pull, come pull me out of bed if I don't get up, right? Yeah. So, I think for right now it's uh, most recently um, been about. Uh, getting back to who I feel I am I, I, I view myself as an athlete and not that that means anything in terms of athletics but um, when I feel like I'm closer to my true self mm-hmm. I'm happier and when I'm in that state of fitness um, not only in happy in that respect but just in general how I feel physically I'm a better husband and father and colleague and that's what's my priorities right now good yeah. and i've noticed it's pretty prevalent in the office here i mean we've seen we've a lot of people on a lot journey. of people at gyms mm-hmm. and a lot of people you know, have pelotons in here not a lot of yeah. people are riding them right now steve and i was i was coming around oh, doing really? a little friendly accountability of like guys because this is where we talk about uh, everyone can have their thing and if you have, my wife isn't one to unless it's my birthday pay me a lot of compliments on facebook <laughs> but uh Father's Day, it's about maybe. the time that Father's Day. Yeah, there's a couple times where I get my Facebook shout out, get my credit, but um, happily buried. Um, a lot of people, you know, we've used analogies it's like you got enough sweatbands on, Stephen. Time to get on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. You know, like wait, are you? Are you those are some that? great. Some great. <laughs> is yeah. some great. You need to get a little cardio in, buddy. I, is what we're uh, saying. It's really cute that your Nike shorts match or whatever. And I'm a guy who likes to have wow. matching stuff. I got. Yeah, hey, speaking directly to me, dude. dude I'll, anytime <laughs> we can work out together, maybe it could be a similar it. thing. Um, no, I in my own basement, mm-hmm. I'm still the athlete in me. But at some point, then like get on the bike. And I guess I was mentioning with Rach, she's like, I wish people could see. Uh, people like to minimize it sometimes. Uh, one of our colleagues might have called me obsessive, but it's like, yeah, and or dedicated. Because again, to my to fine my, lane, right? Coming back in, I talk about thematic mm-hmm. consistency. Like you are who you are, and. There's some. If I tell you I'm going to do something, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. I don't want to go to your barbecue anymore. I don't want yeah. to meet you at the gym at 6 a.m. I don't. If I told you I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Um, if I said I'm going to get on this bike every dang day, I'm going to get on this bike every dang day. So speaking of bike, dang day, I know now though now, now now that I can swear, I'm not swearing. An e on it. My mom might listen. I've been um, <laughs> I've been probably about three months now. I've been riding the bike at the gym. That's when um, you lost the most weight too. Well, I added cardio in. Um, I, that's not when I lost the most yes, weight, but is. that's a different story. No. Um, we, uh, I set myself a goal. I wanted to do 10 miles in 30 minutes or less, oh, yeah. which is a good, I mean, that's 20 miles an hour. And yeah. I looked it up for most people, that's a competitive biker and a road race and it's perfect conditions right I don't need to deal with wind or anything like that I did it twice last yeah. week after chasing it for three months and now I'm like well what the heck do I do now yeah. and Peloton's one of the things I'm like oh, I don't know if I want it at home but maybe I'll start doing spin fit or something like that I, I, I do enjoy the bike a little more I'm than addicted. running for me it's one of those deals like yesterday got back into town I was a little late for her dinner but um, you can go down in 20, 30, 45 minutes big mm-hmm. workout out get trenches uh, the thing i missed for one thing being in all seriousness in my 40s now is you recognize um how much you bench doesn't matter mm-hmm. i'm dealing Don't with tell ben that <laughs> I, I, I already go, i already believe that <laughs> i'd love to go do various thing you know various things physically you can just play some pickup basketball but there's some 
lingering ankle issues that I didn't take care of when I was young because mm-hmm. I didn't have to that now are creating some Achilles issues that limit my ability. That was really what spawned the Peloton. I had been jogging in a treadmill in my basement as monotonous as that is. Um, but yeah, it, uh, anyway, the point is just outside of trying to stay healthy and stretch, like just get a really good cathartic sweat is so mm-hmm. critical. Like mm-hmm. truly drenched. There's something. I, yeah, I love that. Done. I mean, I know there's physicality behind it, I'm sure too, but just emotionally and mentally, mm-hmm. uh, that makes you really feel like you accomplished something. Yeah. Good. So let's get to promotion part. So you have a podcast. I believe that there's a little inter-office um, competition. Yeah, we're killing them. Um, if there is, no, I don't have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen their numbers. I know that. I that, know that you. There, there may not be a singular aspect of my life that I am less competitive about than my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you want to challenge me on the Peloton, it's a different matter. My <laughs> podcast, like if two people listen, I think I think it's doing okay for whatever that means. But like, I'm amazed. Yeah, I'm amazed when they say that people are listening. So we kind of launched around the same time. I want to say, right, give or take, because we started talking about podcasts the start of the and, year. and Ben mentioned that you had maybe done one and at least the concepts probably mm-hmm. came around similar things, yeah. but you launched, you, you do it a little differently from us, but what was, what's the concept? What's it about? Let's see if we can get some crossover listening here. Or- yeah. Well, part of the desire for me was the same thing, you know, most recently, like with the Peloton, which is just, I've never been a cardio guy, never been despite how i guess i could come off here or there like a big self-promoter or marketer mm-hmm. then you get into business you gotta do a little bit but um i wanted something that challenged me peloton challenge challenge but in some ways even made me nervous and so we've been doing the video commentaries for our firm for over a year we've mm-hmm. been doing little weekly videos podcasts it was all part of one package for me which was do something new, challenge myself to something that I didn't have to do. I think, you know, not to uh, pretend I have haters out there, although I'm sure I do, but that's not the point of this story. It was never, it really wasn't about ego. It, for me, it scared me. I found, I, I thought of it far more as something that would lead to failure. I'm talking collectively here than promote it. But then when it got specific, okay, I'm going to do this. I want to challenge myself. I don't want to just be stuck in the day to day doing the same thing. Um, and, and again, I, I've talked about this the group all the time. I believe good action leads to mm-hmm. things, Positive not in results, a direct one to one. Like I called Steven, this thing happened and I got this bad, but just like good action puts good stuff in the universe, brings stuff down. Not that I'm a super new age guy, but I don't know how all the intricacies of how God's mm-hmm. you've the said world a lot work, of the time. Right? It's like you put good out in the world. Eventually it comes back. It's just like, just do it. Just do your stuff. Right. And so to me, part of the podcast was that challenge specific to the pulling back the curtain, which is what I titled it is um, in part, it was, and we need to probably get back into this a little bit more um, exposing some of the darker underbellies of the industry. My Mm -hmm. view on where the industry is headed, um, uh, helping demystify that. We've had a couple portfolio managers on. It's really tricky because their legal and compliance departments Mm -hmm. are brutal. Um, Interviewing entrepreneurs. They strip everything yeah. out. But yeah, to Ben's point, the big, the where it's really taken off from of late is just hearing entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial people's stories. Yeah. Um, and you've had cool guests, Chad White, Melissa Murphy. Um, you know, I could name a few more. But. Yeah, yeah. 
Man and Wrens, I think I don't think that one's out yet. Uh, Jason Satterlin was a really mm-hmm. cool. That uh, was a good one. A cool one uh, guest to have on. And so again, you hear all these stories, and you're just like, oh man, they've made it. And, and again, not that I think I've made it, but I've I've had young college. I know how I would appear to a college kid, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's pretty cool to a college kid. But you come in, and they're like, man, you got a firm, and you got a business card, and you got a <laughs> nice house and a pretty wife, and and quite literally, I've had people like look around kind of like, you know, I want, I, I just would like to be like this, right? Yeah. Like, you're talking stuff, man. Yeah, stuff and doesn't matter. And let me matter. tell you, I, I talked about, um, I was just talking with Dave Gordon. Uh, our colleagues. When we were over in Seattle, yeah, one of our colleagues. I wanted to share the real, the real stories behind on, uh, what it means to be an entrepreneur and mostly the failures. Because I told these kids, I did with our two interns last year, it's like, let me tell you about the time my wife walked out on me. The market crashed. I had to go to my grandfather, the one I named my firm after, and borrow ten grand to pay for three months' rent. I gave myself three three more months to try to make it in the industry and pay off my divorce lawyer. And somehow, out of all that, and grinding and doing whatever, convinced and literally Kurt Orton, who I found in the firm with, was. I helped save a client for him, and then he didn't want to include me on the client anymore. And Kurt's the greatest guy. I don't mean to slight Kurt in the slightest, but he just didn't see mm-hmm. the ongoing value and went uh, to a men's Bible study to come back to find out the guy had brought, fired all his other advisors and come in. And Kurt said, I'm going with you. And about that same time, I got my first two distinct $1 million-ish dollar referrals, and like literally my career just like, took off. Good, yeah. Um, but none of that was apparent when I was in that low moment <laughs> mm-hmm. and there've been plenty of other things within the story of 10 capital that have been tough. But when I talk to kids, it's like the three things that I think are so, so critical, um, whoever you are and whatever you're going to do to having success. And this is to your point of the podcast, what I want to unpack and get at with each of those people. Number one, you have to have a why outside yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lots of been talked about, but it's so true. Number two is, it has to be super vivid. These guys will make fun of me. Usually it takes a couple of drinks to really get it wound up. But I'll be like, what do you want to do? Well, I want this. What street do you want? You know, for me, I've, I've started having a dream about maybe when I'm retired someday having a place in New York. You know, like, what I know what street I have it. What street? In fact, you know, the viewers can't see this. That's the He's showing us his unit, basically, <laughs> and the address that he wants Love in it. New York. The, I've seen it. I it's think, cool. I think about who I want there. And what are we going to have? And where are we going to go afterwards? And what are we going to talk about? Like, it's so really hard to quit on that. And each of those things, it's about having you over because you're going to be there. And I'm thinking about this conversation we have. And now when I'm quitting, I don't feel like I'm just quitting on myself. I'm quitting on that moment. I'm quitting mm-hmm. on those people. I'm quitting on the, that thing. So it has yeah, to be good. a wild side yourself, super vivid. And then you got to share it with other people. Yeah, that's the important part. For accountability and support. And so this mm-hmm. is the part that really came up with respect to Dave. I was asking him, I, and I was telling him, I want to be invested in your dreams too, right? And this is, again, finding those people who want to be that for you, I think is critical. And I think that's one of the special things we have here at 10, both not only with respect to ourselves, but with our clients is what, what, is, what, do, you, what do you want mm-hmm. in life? How can we help? Yeah. Well, I'd like to be successful. No, that's How? <laughs> what does it look like? What are, you, it. what are you drinking when you're, you know, I mean, alcohol, but I'm like, what did you eating? What, who came to your barbecue at this place? What was this thing? When you, okay, you're, my, me and my three buddies go to 
So, so you think, what are you going to? Mm-hmm. You going to Champions League final? Specifics. I'm talking yeah. to you. Where at? What country is going to be hosting it the year that you mm-hmm. make a point to go? Yeah. Oh, I want to go to Germany because I would want to do it and <laughs> go to Germany. And you know what I mean? Now you start to put that stuff away. And, okay. Have you told the people who you want to go that you're going to take them? Mm-hmm. And then can attest. I do this stuff all the time. I've got a whole vision for our 10th anniversary of 10th mm-hmm. Capital. I've told everyone, put myself on notice. This is how we're going to do it. So Got three more years, buddy. I know. It's coming down hot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I tend to dream big. Um, so you almost, you literally just paraphrased an entire chapter in one of my favorite books. Have you read The Best Damn Sales Book by Warren Gracious? Check it out. He, he talks about being specific, asking somebody, what, what, what's your goal? And the, the guy tells him, I want to I make a lot of money. And he goes, well, what's a lot? And he goes, well, a lot. And he goes, well, what's a lot? Do you want a million dollars? Well, yeah. And he's like, well, what do you want to, what do you want to buy with it? And he says, I want to own a New York City block. And he goes, well, a million dollars isn't a lot. Uh-huh. He says, how much do you need to buy a New York City block? And the guy threw out this astronomical number. And he said, now we're talking. He's like, now you've put a number on it. How do you reverse engineer this to, to earn what you need to do? So it's super mm-hmm. similar to what you're talking about with your place in New York. Yeah, yeah. And and I think the thing, because a lot of people are like, oh, my God, he's moving to New York. A lot of times I go through those mental <laughs> exercises for the exercise. Because what they do is then they tell me, one of, like quite literally that was one from last summer. And again, it's not that it's insincere, but I, I allow myself the freedom outside of a commitment to someone else mm-hmm. to change my mind. Yeah. But what it tells me, like when I went through that one last year, was during a particularly t- tough time at work where I was putting in a ton of time. And I started thinking about who I would want to be hanging out with. Like who, who would be the first people I would invite? Are, am I spending enough time with them today? Yeah, I like that. Hmm. No. If you were going to go there and you were going to continue to be a good colleague and client, what systems would you have to be in place? That starts making me, the first thing makes me a better friend. Second thing makes me a better businessman, mm-hmm. right? And so from this little vision, it could be 20, 10, 20, 15 mm-hmm. years in the future, mm-hmm. I start becoming a better person today. And so to me, that's how I, I like to dream. And so that that's a lot of, I don't know that it's, <laughs> we've quite hit it, um, but I think we're getting closer. You mentioned some names where I thought we, yeah. we got closer to it. Um, of let me hear about that, and and I'm really interested in in having people on where they're willing to share the parts where they got knocked down. Yep. Because mm-hmm. those are parts of everyone's story, and I think if I anything came from it, it would be for all those people who might be a couple steps back. And I don't pretend there won't be other tough times for myself or anyone that I know, but that they would know that that is that it's not them. They're not abnormal. They shouldn't. Doesn't mean that they can't cut it. It just means that they're in stage two of the process and keep yeah. going. Well, you learn more about someone in adversity than you do in good times. Totally. So, you know, yeah. the, the best the best lessons and the toughest teachers are the hard lessons. Singular, great, singular greatest compliment I've ever been paid. It was paid to me uh, while having a, a drink with uh, a guy in Zola. Uh, it was in the midst of this season I was just talking about that was pretty bleak. And he said... What boggles my mind is that you're the same person now as you were before you were going in the struggle, as in the struggle as before the struggle. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was that was a meaningful one. That's a great compliment. Yeah. Totally. Um, so got one, plenty of other insults I can share. One more question, and this is actually one. <laughs> one more wrap up. Ben asked me when he interviewed me, uh, and I liked it because it, it made me think. It really did. It was like, oh, okay. Uh oh, team, you got to think now. Seventeen-year-old you. So you've been through some stuff, good, bad, everything in between. 
You go back to your 17-year-old you, what advice would you give to 17-year-old Tim Mitrovic? How many things I get? Just one? <laughs> Just give us the top I'll keep it. I'll keep it tight. Number one, to the, the same thing that I brought up, Ram, be patient. Um, be patient. I think a lot of, if we're talking about things I didn't have, because what I did have was a really strong work ethic, grit, um, but be patient. Some grace, yeah. Yeah. Second thing, though, and, and I brought this up with, Key's uh, uh, going to be our one of our summer interns this year. Surround yourself with people who take accountability. And what I mean by that is where I have misstepped big, my first marriage, <laughs> one of my first business partners, is looking past, for all mostly self-interested reasons, looking past a ton of red flags, the biggest of which was this, not to pick on anyone else, there's just life. It doesn't matter whether a person's 1% or 100% to blame for something, just own it. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me about what the other person did to you. The people, I, I, I too often, and again, not to make this some humble brag, but like I do care about people, like helping people win. That's what this place is about, clients and colleagues. I think that's been a theme mm-hmm. that's probably come through here. I don't like giving up on people. By the same token, I, that's the good side of me. The bad side of me is I'm, I can be arrogant and think I can fix people, and that's not my job. Yeah. And the place where you start to trend from the one or tip from one to the other or with the people who every bad thing that's ever happened in their life was somebody else's fault. Yep. Victim right? mentality. Well, right? I was at, well, this was said with respect to both of Why are we in a relationship with this person like that in the first place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me tell you, no good answers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Personally, professionally, or otherwise. And it's just not to pick on those two, a whole host of different people throughout my life where it's like, oh yeah, their friends were really mean to him and it was their ex-boyfriend and it was their parents and it was the teacher that did that. To- nah, man, going all different just, ways. just own your own stuff. Doesn't mean you need to go into a bunch of detail about it. Just mm-hmm. like, yeah, that didn't work out. I Here's what I learned from it. Yeah. And I think when you have that kind of mindset and that took me a little while uh, to really unpack, again, kind of what, when it was a good thing that I wasn't giving up on people because there have been people who by all accounts from an outside appearance are like, you should give up on that person. Or mm-hmm. Why are you taking a chance on that person? Mm-hmm. You may yeah. have one or two in this office. And they're awesome. They're gold, right? Yeah. And so you don't want to just go around judging a book by a cover. But the other thing that they all had was, uh, despite whatever things they had been through, they, they just said, this is what I learned. This is what I didn't do right. This is what I could have done better. Those are the types of people you need to surround yourself with. The they're short character. Yeah. Character Absolutely. and growing, yeah. So yeah. That's, yeah. Well, well, should we wrap it up? Yeah, I guess we I've, rambled on long enough. Nobody I've, wants to hear us anymore. I've kind of monopolized this one. You you didn't do much talking no, there the second half of that. No, so. the second half one was fine because <laughs> I, I was interested to see. I didn't want to know. I guess yeah. I have one more question and then we'll wrap it up. Okay, I can. And this is back. one that I I've asked back. Janessa uh, in one of our interviews too, and I think I've asked others to wrap it up with. Okay, and it was basically: Is there something? And this is where people get, this is where we asked her to be vulnerable and we asked Tyler yeah. to be vulnerable. Uh, what is a current weakness, struggle, or something that you have that, for one, I would say I like this because it humanizes people, right? That you're currently struggling with, keep make it real, and then how can we hold you accountable to getting better at it? You hold me accountable to so much already, Ben. I don't know if I need to give you anything else. <laughs> uh, it would be this. I think you get um, worked 
I work. I, I describe my life not in equal phases, but in three phases. It's work, 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 work. Do my best. Just work. Just work. I don't know that that ever went away. But then there was another piece where it was just like, uh, and you can't tell what's happening. You're just a student, right? Yeah, you get grades, but it's just kind of flat. Then you go into the, the tough phase. I think now things have been working, and I think I've gotten a little spoiled, if I'm honest. If I'm being vulnerable, it would be, I just expect that things should always go my way. I expect my light bulb shouldn't burn out. I expect that everybody should just say yes to being a client. <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that can tick me yeah. off when I come home and when it's like, oh, you got to get out the big ladder because three light bulbs are like, God dang it, I don't want to get the, you know, and then all of a sudden your three-year-old's like, Daddy, why, are your, why is your face contorting? Um, <laughs> just, just understanding, getting back to kind of that journey part that unpacking the subconscious, it's like, Life's life. It's mm-hmm. got its struggles. Nobody's entitled to certainly, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for what I have. And I think just continuing to lean into that gratitude. Um, I don't think I ever take things for granted, but that's not necessarily the same as being grateful. Yeah. yeah. Um, because when you're truly grateful for things, you're not letting some of these petty <laughs> I'm so happy to change this light bulb. People might yeah. say, someone's, oh, someone said not, something not, it wasn't nice about me, or some part of the house broke, or some client, you know, our prospective client said no, like keep it in perspective. So mm-hmm. I think perspective is probably the thing I'm working most okay. on. So the next time you hear me, losing my cool over something that in the whole grand scheme of things isn't a big deal. You can just perspective to perspective tell me to knock it off. Yeah. It's amazing when we interview, we've interviewed so many people now that we keep finding recurring themes. And one of them is gratitude and, and exactly that. Don't lose your cool with the people that are closest to you because they're the ones that are there to pick you up. They're trying to help you and, and they care about well, you. And to be honest, a lot of it too is myself. Like you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and beat myself up. Like you mm-hmm. should have said this to, different done this different competing yeah, it's back to that grace. worrying about things you don't know about mm-hmm. um and uh i heard someone shared some analogy the other day and it was kind of around the same thing of like you know someone if you, someone took 10 cents from you would you risk going to get to the 10 cents back to lose the other nineteen thousand, whatever it was yeah. and it's the same was it the, the, the seconds in a day yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. i thought that was a really cool way of getting at what i'm talking about which is so somebody jacked 10 cents from you of by slinging an arrow in your direction mm-hmm. or something that's just as simple as a light bulb burning out or if yeah. you want to be honest, I was up twice in the middle of the night last night replacing fire alarm batteries, which is why I'm thinking about this. <laughs> Lovely. Like, you know, keep, keep it in perspective. So that's I'm just yeah. very grateful. Always, um, you know, appreciate uh, where things are at, my colleagues, my family, but at the same time, there's something obviously I need to work on if – some of these little things are still I'm, I'm letting them be more than 10 cents good cool. well appreciate you coming on to the podcast today, yeah thank you Tim. my pleasure ben you want to let people appreciate know where to find us on the social media where do they find us well you're the one that keeps jumping in with it because i forget to do <laughs> it because you forget to do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you haven't already please like us on instagram and facebook ordinary to extraordinary or o2e journey give us a like give us a review Anything else, Stephen? I have a question for you all. Go ahead. Oh, geez. What happens when you become extraordinary? Does the podcast end? No. You're never extraordinary. That's so, that's the... That's, there, you can always be better, right? You can it's always progress. be extraordinary. Or, or. Gotcha. <laughs> See, it's in the name. Ordinary to extraordinary. O2E journey. It's not going to change. The from, journey never ends, ordinary right? ordinary to extraordinary to just extraordinary forever. It's the journey. Okay. Have you seen the Matthew McConaughey? You just, asked, you just got to the root of it. Yeah. Wow, the Matthew McConaughey things. Awards acceptance speech. 
where you know he's his hero in five years time and he'll always be his his hero will always be him in five years put a lot of time in i look at it yeah a lot of the crap you do basements of quality ends trying to join whatever networking group to get a lead <laughs> yeah. to, and now you look yeah. at where you're at and you're like at all of those little things including most including most importantly the failures that get you where you're yeah. at totally. the journey just evolves the journey becomes from all right that was my goal now what's the next one for me mm-hmm. cool. so yeah i mean we we, we kind of when we started this we were like well one person might listen a hundred million people might yeah. listen so we might get two listeners our moms yeah. yeah, it but, brings a lot of accountability back to the two of you, which I, I think that when I mentioned the podcast, just like try something new, hold mm-hmm. yourself accountable to it. It's going to force that good action that I was referring to. And Absolutely. I think if anything, you know, only one or two Joe Rogans out there. Yeah. But, uh, it helps us better ourselves. That's what it was all about. Accountability. Yep. Well, I guess that will do it. So until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other. Yeah. best you can be the king Kong banging on your chest you can beat the world you can beat the war you can talk the guy go banging on his door you can throw your hands up you can beat the clock you can move a mountain you can break rocks you can be a master don't wait for luck dedicate yourself and you go find yourself You can run the mile You can walk straight through hell with a smile You could be the hero You can get the gold Breaking all the records They thought never could be broke Yeah, do it for your people Do it for your pride You are ever gonna know If you never even try Do it for your country Do it for your name Cause there gonna be a day When you're standing in the hall of fame And the world's gonna know your name Be leaders, be leaders, be astronauts, be champions.